what people are saying now, whether that's you know from the employee level or from the employer level, is that work will be hybrid and that there'll be flexibility choice. You know, I think that's a key, Diego, is that you know, whether you are spending one day a week at your home or five days a week at your home or two days in the office or two days at a, you know, a coffee shop or one day on the road in the back of a you know, taxi or an Uber or, or Lyft or otherwise, people want the flexibility to be able to communicate wherever they are however they want to with flexibility. So I think flexibility in a hybrid world is extremely important. Welcome to the Going Global Podcast, brought to you by Globalization Partners. Hire anyone, anywhere, quickly and easily. Use our AI-driven, automated, fully compliant global employment platform, powered by our in-house worldwide HR experts with a 98% customer satisfaction rating. Globalization Partners, succeed faster. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Going Global, the podcast where leaders in high-growth companies tell us their own stories of going global and building global remote teams. I'm your host, Diego Mendiburu, and remember that you can find all episodes of this show on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. On today's show, we're interviewing Abe Smith. He's head of international for Zoom Video Communications and is recognized for building high-growth global teams at leading enterprise cloud companies such as Oracle and Cisco, where he held senior roles. Hello, Abe, and welcome. Hey, Diego, nice to see you. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure, Abe. And I always like to start a podcast on a more personal note, asking personal questions. So I was just wondering, you, of course, being part of Zoom, what is the most extravagant place where you have taken a Zoom call? You know, now that remote work is a standard, people are working all over the world in all kinds of crazy places. What's the most extravagant place where you've taken a Zoom call? Well, I, I can't tell anything too glamorous, but I think <laughs> I've taken a Zoom call, Diego, just about everywhere, from an airplane to a car to a walking my dog outside on, a, on the Bay Trail here in, in the Bay Area to just about every airport lounge and <laughs> a pre-pandemic hotel that you can imagine around the world. So it's been almost everywhere that I've had a Zoom call. I can't think of anywhere I haven't had a Zoom call. I can imagine that. So I wanted to ask you how you personally experienced the beginning of this remote work revolution that the COVID-19 pandemic sparked. I imagine it was like a sudden explosion of growth inside your company, inside Zoom, but also a heavy reorganization of your responsibilities as, as head of international. So how did you balance that with your personal life? How did, did it took you by surprise? What kind of modifications you had to do to your daily life? Well, I, I would say, you know, the, the rise of Zoom and probably the consumption of the product came very fast and furious. So the truth is we were moving at a pretty heavy clip before the pandemic. So mm. if you take a look at the history of the company, you know, Zoom launched in 2011. So it's been about 10 years since we, we founded the company, roughly eight years since we started selling the product globally to companies, both small and large. Uh, but the, you know, the last three or four years have been very dramatic. You know, we listed the company in, in April of 2019. Before that, there was a lot of anticipation about Zoom's public offering through our S1. And we were on a clip where we were growing at more than 100% year over year before we went public. And we were doing it profitably as an organization. So I think people were really surprised to see, you know, how interesting and interested the market was with video conferencing by Zoom and, you know, how, how much, I guess you could say, need there was for a product that just worked every time. It was very consumer-like. We were focused on delivering happiness, you know, serving the customer in, in an authentic way. 
uh, obviously 2020, the, the growth was like nothing we'd ever experienced or could have anticipated. So what happened in one full swoop is all the things that we thought were changing in the world in terms of how people were meeting and connecting Diego. And that meant things like the rise of the gig economy or the remote worker that completely went to a whole new dimension during the pandemic or distance learning, you know, where people were already experimenting and growing with uh, learning and education online to you know, consumption by a different generational use, i.e. Generation Z and the millennial generation that were used to consuming video as, as the way of communicating. In other words, video was the new voice for them. I mean, all that went to just a magnified level. So in 2020, we went from 10 million daily meeting participants per day, every day on our free and paid accounts to more than 300 million daily meeting participants. So was, there was a 30X increase in the, in the use of the platform. And that meant that we had to really continue to scale the, you know, the technical side of the company. So mm -hmm. the capacity and the elasticity of the, you know, the technology itself. So, we, you know, we operate today 21 data centers around the world that allow us to, you know, uh, mm -hmm. share real-time meeting information anywhere, anyhow, with anybody, you know, and then we also, you know, we launched new products. We launched new products, which included our Zoom phone product, which is the, you know, the fastest growing cloud PBX application ever. And, Things like, uh, you know, our rooms application became more popular and, and then, you know, our large event platform and so forth. So new products, uh, expansion of the technology, you know, we grew the company by, you know, thousands of employees during this time, which meant there were like, you know, 3,000 new Zoomies that came on board over the last 12 to 16 months and just everything. So, you know, the, it was dynamic and we all had to hold on, you know, uh, and what that meant was continue to be focused on what was important, which was ensuring that there was educational continuity and business continuity and human connection through Zoom, you know, things that governments that were relying on us to communicate with their constituents and one another. So it was a very mission-driven approach. And that meant that everybody was all hands on deck. And, you know, candidly, we continue to be somewhat in that same mode where, there's still a very mercurial time. It's still a very mercurial time. Things are rapidly adopting and hybrid work and, you know, a return to office is slowly happening, but that requires new new ways of thinking and new ways of working and new ways of connecting. So it's uh, it's been an unusual period and we're doing our best to accommodate the world with quality and empathy. So this is something that I've been thinking about a lot since the beginning of the pandemic. And honestly, for me, it was quite surprising because I guess at the beginning, we, I personally at least, related and connected Zoom with a more corporate environment. But we all know now that everyone is using Zoom for, you know, personal conversations, talking with friends, school and things like that. So I was wondering, what's your view on what made Zoom the go-to tool for video conferencing when the pandemic began? Because we already had these other tools that I won't mention, but have been famous for 10, 15 years for doing video conferences, but suddenly Zoom not only became the most popular, but until today it has prevailed. Why do you think that happened with Zoom specifically? Well, I mean, first of all, you're right. You know, the focus of the company was 100% on business to business. So we were providing the application and built the company to serve you know, small companies and large companies, large enterprises that were using it for corporate presentations or board meetings or you name it inside the company internally and externally. And we had a high use case around higher education. So universities around the world were using the, the service for years, well before the pandemic. And so were governments. But the consumer side was not. 
part of our business model. And I guess there's probably a variety of reasons why people gravitated. One, Zoom is a very consumer-like product. You know, it's it's easy to use. It's high quality. It just works. You know, we provided a free service product, so a free account, which anybody could download and enjoy. So it didn't matter if you were downloading that product for Pilates classes or piano lessons or whatever, or, you know, a birthday party or a bar mitzvah. You know, the truth was that you could easily get access to it and people did. So, you know, we didn't anticipate that model, to be honest with you. That's not what the focus of the company had been prior to the pandemic. But we quickly realized that people were were using it for that purpose. And it added a whole new dimension to the company. And, uh, you know, frankly, we, we also had to adapt to support it. You know, we had to change a lot of the security settings and provisions for people to consume the product. We had to help educate people on how to use it more effectively. You know, we had to continue to add stylized features that were, were attractive to everybody. So, you know, I, I don't know exactly. I can't put on, you know, one exact reason why uh, people gravitated to Zoom over other products. What I can say is, is that it is, you know, simplest, high quality video product you can find on the market. It's easy to use. It's available and accessible, whether that's, you know, for a single user at a free level all the way up to, you know, our paid services that are, are more robust and provide more features. So I think that ubiquity, flexibility, simplicity, and the fact that we were grounded to make sure that people had a good experience and could enjoy it, that probably triggered some interest in Zoom. And then, you know, candidly, because there was such a need, there was a lot of uh, media attention on the company. And uh, I think people got to know the brand very quickly overnight because they had to. So uh, the, the good news is there were a lot of choices in the market and that people, you know, they chose with their voice and their acceptance of Zoom as a product for them to rely on, whether, again, that was for business uses, use cases or personal use cases. And, you know, for those reasons, we're very grateful. What are the biggest challenges that Zoom faced with this skyrocketing growth in the last 18 months, you already mentioned some scalability challenges in terms of your technology, but in terms of the, the business and, as you said, you know, hiring new people, how did you manage to do that? I mean, there were, there were a lot of complex, you could say, business problems that we had to face. You know, when you, when you talk to ministries of education or departments or boards of education that say, okay, we've got to move millions of students from the classroom to the kitchen table overnight, help us. I mean, that's complex. That is a real complex scenario because it's a, it's a dramatic shift. It's a shift on, you know, where and how they learn. For example, in this case, it was difficult for the teachers to figure out how to deliver content in this whole new virtual style. We had to help with that. So, I mean, there were real complex problems like how do you deliver and, and you know, provide education virtually at scale quickly for all ages and all countries with all languages, you know, go. Or there were, you know, situations where companies would come to us and say, hey, look, we have hundreds of thousands of employees or 100,000 plus employees in, you know, countries, 50 countries around the world. We need to shift them to a virtual setting and the information has to be safe and secure, go. Or, you know, there were companies that had to switch their business models. You know, they, they might have physical locations for retail banking or, physical locations for, you know, shopping, you know, consumer shopping, and that had to be shifted to an online environment, you know, that shift was important. So there was, I think there was the, the model question of how do you make this adaption pretty quickly? And then there was the normal stuff that, you know, you, you might imagine, you know, it, it is the, 
technical architecture to support that as we talked about at scale. And, you know, the good news is we had designed the service for really unlimited capacity. We just had never tested it. So, you know, the good news is the software and the architecture was built for scale and it, and it reacted well to scale. And we work with partners like Oracle and Amazon and others to help us, you know, very quickly expand the public cloud infrastructure, which allowed us to support that demand quickly and that, you know, elasticity fast. Uh, and then I would say, like, in terms of hiring people, you know, we practice what we preach. We met everybody we could, our new employees on Zoom. You know, we did all of our base camps and new hiring training sessions on Zoom. And we, you know, we stayed connected using you guessed it, Zoom. So <laughs> while there were new, you know, there were new employees that had never entered a physical office space, that didn't really matter because, you know, the philosophy was pretty strong and the ethos and the values are real clear. And then, you know, I'd say the ability for people to just be open with one another and welcoming, realizing that we're all in the same boat, which meant, you know, you might feel moments of loneliness, or you might feel moments of like solitude, we were real clear to say that that mental stress is, is real for all of us and it's important that we stay close and we did. So, I mean, there was, there was a variety of things that were uh, present in the company, but at the same time, we were put in a very fortunate position. We could be in a position to help and we did. There were 25 countries around the world where we provided the service for free for primary and secondary education with an unlimited time level so that people could go to school and gain access. And we stepped up to do that. You know, that, that provided more complexity, but we knew it was the right thing to do. You know, there was lots of cases where we worked hand-in-hand -hand real close with nonprofits, either specific to the pandemic or otherwise, to make sure that they could communicate out and they could educate, you know, at a very magnified or amplified level. So there was a lot of um, silver lining moments, I guess you could say. And and we're, we were just, like anybody, we're a little bit in awe that we were asked to help and we, we did our best. We did our best, Diego. You probably had a, a strategy for your international expansion pre-pandemic. I would imagine changed with this remote work revolution. How did it change? Are you, for example, not thinking anymore about physical offices, getting rid of those or not? Maybe you are hiring people that not necessarily are based on the capital city of a country where you want to expand. Tell us how your vision for the Zoom global expansion changed in the last months. I don't think it, you know, we didn't retract from the strategy at all. In fact, we leaned into it. So, you know, the places where we said we were going to have people and where we had to build a closer connection to our customers and to our partners and to our employees, that stayed the same. You know, that plan was real clear. We were building and expanding in Asia. We were building and expanding in Europe and in Latin America. It's just about everywhere. So, you know, we stayed true to the plan. And, you know, I'm pleased to say that we met our hiring goals and we continue to aggressively hire people. So that, that, that didn't change at all. You know, probably in some ways we got a little bit more assertive. You know, we, we said that, you know, there were new places that we wanted to be and we went there and it didn't matter if we were not going to have a physical location at the moment. And in some, some places, you know, we tried to really double down on poor centers, like places like the Netherlands where we have a center of excellence or, you know, London or Sydney or our growth in Germany or in France, you know, our expansion in Japan or India. I mean, these are places where we had already committed and said we were going to go further. And during the pandemic, you know, we established even a, a deeper presence. You know, we announced the launch of our tech center in Bangalore, India. We announced the launch of our tech and research center in Singapore. Uh, you know, we grew in the United States and places like Pennsylvania and Arizona, again, with tech centers and research and development. So we made acquisitions. 
in many ways, a pandemic spurred on further expansion goals because, again, we wanted to be able to serve more customers. We wanted to do it better in language and time zone and with the intimacy that you know our clients expect. Now that you mentioned that about the time zone differences, do you have any recommendation, any tips, or can you explain to us how do you do it inside Zoom You know, to be able to work with people that I would imagine are connecting from places all over the world. How are you managing those things, like having meetings at different time zones there at Zoom? Well, I mean, it's the one thing that we can't solve is, you know, things like time zone. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> somebody has to stay up late or get up early to be on a meeting yeah. is a reality. And, you know, that that's true anytime you meet with anybody. Uh, we try to be respectful and not, you know, have sessions where people are in, should be in bed or, or so forth. And, you know, because you have critical mass in a lot of these locations, whether that's in parts of Europe or in Asia or Latin America, the teams work together. You know, they're working together and they're on their time zones and they're, they're servicing the clients and doing the right kind of work independently. Uh, but you can't you can't solve for time zone yet. You know, once we figure that out, I think we'll we'll be very even more successful potentially. But uh, that's one thing that we haven't been able to solve for yet, Diego. So you talked briefly about how there was indeed an initial focus on the corporate world and now it all changed because people that do all kinds of things are using your platform. So do you think that also changed the company values and objectives and, and vision? And how do you communicate that to the new employees? The values haven't changed at all. So, you know, I'd say that's probably the reason why the company has been so tight is that the company has been built on fundamentally good values. And those values are things around caring. You know, we're real clear on the fact that we care for ourselves, care for one another, and we care for our communities. It's the most important thing. You know, we've always been, been centered on delivering happiness. And for us, that means ensuring that the customers are served at all costs to the best of our ability, whether they're small or large. You know, we also believe in, in a care means giving back. You know, and our philanthropy program, Zoom Care, has, has grown precipitously you know, before the pandemic. And then it's grown here during the pandemic in real meaningful ways. And those are centered around things that we care about, education. We care about quality and we care about the ability for people to have access. So, you know, those things have never changed. Those have been fundamental. And they're all the way from Eric throughout everybody in the company. You know, and Eric talks a lot about that, uh, both during the pandemic and before the pandemic. And we'll talk about it forever after the pandemic. And so will I and so will all of our leaders. And I think those cores are consistent. The vision has expanded. I mean, to make no mistake, you know, we said at a vision level, we knew that we were building a amazing video application, but the move from killer app to platform has been a major consideration for a broader sense of vision. You know, in uh, the last year or so, we were recognized by Gartner as a leader in unified communications. And that means a lot because What that stands for is the development and growth of things like the phone application, our rooms application, you know, a, a events platform. It means things like contact center is important. It means things like chat's important. And it has to work in sync as a totality, as a single unified platform. Uh, so that vision has expanded and we've been able to, I think, deliver nicely so far. And there's a lot more to go because these markets are extremely big. The addressable market is very large. And, uh, I'd say that's where the vision is expanded, is how do we think beyond a simple app, which is extremely complex, which is video and voice, to all these modalities that allow people to connect in any way that they want to, and then either escalate or decline that communication with a simple click. And that beauty and synchronization is difficult, but we think that platform approach is a vision that we, we want to consume. And that lends itself into an open platform It allows for people to build into Zoom. We, we announced a $100 million 
app fund to encourage people to build for Zoom. We launched our Zoom apps program recently this past week. You know, we have the marketplace, which has gone from 100 native integrated applications to more than 1,400. So there's so much expansibility that is possible with Zoom and so much that centers around communication that moves to productivity at a professional and personal level that, you know, candidly, the vision is almost endless. So we're excited for what the future brings, but, you know, we're staying clear on executing today and then building for tomorrow. And finally, now that, that you mentioned the word future, how do we imagine our working environments and the tools that we will use as part of our job in the next, I, th I guess it's a two-part question, immediately after the pandemic is gone, hopefully somewhere near 2022, 2023, and then later on in 10, 15 years, how do you imagine our working environments? Well, I think what the pandemic has taught us is that the working environment is forever changed. A lot of the things that I mentioned that were, again, that were being tested in thesis Were, were challenged. They were tried in one full swoop. What people are, are saying now, whether that's you know from the employee level or from the employer level, is that work will be hybrid and that there'll be flexibility choice. You know, I think that's a key, Diego, is that you know, whether you are spending one day a week at your home or five days a week at your home or two days in the office or two days at a, you know, a coffee shop or one day on the road in the back of a you know, taxi or an Uber or, or Lyft or otherwise, people want the flexibility to be able to communicate wherever they are, however they want to with flexibility. So I think flexibility in a hybrid world is extremely important. I also think that, you know, people are going to test new ways of connecting. And what, what, what that means is, you know, they might have ideated or created concepts for the next product or the next big idea, you know, in an office on a whiteboard, you know, together, you know, using markers side by side. And that still might happen. But that also might mean that the people that you ideate with might be in Brazil, or they might be in Canada, or they might be in London, or they might be in Tokyo, or they might be in Mumbai, or they might be wherever. And that ideation can happen either real time or asynchronously. And the things like whiteboarding don't have to be in a physical space, for example, it could be, but maybe that permeates into a virtual world as well. So I do think that the evolution is taking place and it started and I think it's accelerated and it will continue to accelerate because of the pandemic. I think employers and individuals are very conscious of the fact that the number one thing that is most important is safety and security, meaning that people have to feel safe and secure. And if they feel that they're compromised, they're compromising their health. And that health compromise could happen because of, God forbid, a virus that persists or a variant that persists. But it also could be mental fatigue. It could be, you know, the physical demands that travel places on, body, on your body and your health and your spirit. So I, I just think that now that there is a, a consideration, almost a rebirth, that reemergence or that renaissance will happen with flexibility, with choice through a hybrid environment, with new ways and modalities of connecting, and with a spirit of globalization that's really authentic and that connects people in a meaningful way, regardless of where they're located. We also think that that comes in communication, and that's why we, uh, we made an acquisition in Germany with an organization, organization called Kites. I want to be able to speak to you in a session one day in English and allow you to hear it in Japanese or Korean or Chinese. And those things are happening now. You know, We have in the platform the framework to allow people to use live, real translators. But imagine if the system allowed that for translation real time through natural language processing and otherwise. So there's so much more that can happen uh, through you know, these new 
tools and through technology like Zoom, you know, we're going to continue to push ourselves and promote new ways of connecting and new features, new functions, and hopefully new products that inspire people to, you know, work better together. And that's, uh, that's a hope for the future. Thank you very much, A, for your time and this uh, series of answers. Whenever you think about video communications, Zoom as a brand comes to our minds, and it's been a great pleasure to being able to talk with you about that. Well, it's our pleasure, and thank you for your partnership and for your help. And you know, and we appreciate the support. We're going to continue to do everything we can to keep the world connected and do the best we can every day. So, thank you, Diego, for including Zoom in the conversation, and it's a real pleasure to be here today. And that's it. This is the end of our show. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Remember that you can find all past episodes on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. If you are planning to hire a new global team member, remember that Globalization Partners makes it easy to onboard international talent in a matter of days. Go to globalization-partners.com to get started. If you are planning to hire a new global team member, Globalization Partners makes it easy to onboard international talent in a matter of minutes. Go to globalization-partners.com to get started.